So today, Richard and I are going to talk to you about kind of the transition from traditional heel striking running, you know, the old, all the old pictures of the heel, toe, heel, toe, transitioning from that into more correct running form, which is the toe, heel, toe, using the foot's natural spring and using the body like it's supposed to. But if you've ever tried this, you know, you might run into some issues starting off and completely changing how your body moves, you know? So today we're going to talk about some of the common issues people run into and how to fix them, how to avoid them, and how to like help your body transition into this new way of movement. It's, it's a very, very deep topic. There's been so many people that have come to me one time or another, not because they didn't believe they should be on their forefoot, but because they did, there was consequences associated with that shift. So I want to talk about that. As a matter of fact, this is where I, I travel the country doing these clinics, and the bulk of the information that I disseminate is all about how do you contend with the injuries associated with this transition you're making and you know, how to alleviate that problem to, altogether. So you had suggested that earlier that you have your own concerns and questions that you'd like to have some light shed on. What were they again? Yeah, so I don't know if people really know, but I've started working with Diaz earlier this year. And I was always kind of a toe runner, but then really switching into the 180 beats per minute, doing the real toe. My problem was I just ran on my toes and I didn't drop my heel ever. <laughs> so learning how to run the correct way. At first, I had pains. I had foot pains. I had Achilles and calf stuff going on. And I knew, I know this isn't an incorrect way to run, but I also know I was in pain. So I was trying to figure out like, okay, am I doing something wrong or like what's going on? So my big ones were the bottom of my foot started hurting. So it felt like where my big toe, kind of where my big toe to my heel, kind of that tendon right there. I don't know what it's called, but I'm sure you do. That was feeling like strained and I've never had pain there before. So when I started doing this new way of running that started hurting, especially when I'd run over a couple miles, it would really start hurting. And then also my Achilles and calf, especially on my, one of my legs, my left leg, uh, was just feeling really kind of like strained and tight a lot when I run, especially over a couple miles. So I kind of wanted to pick Richard's brain about why that might happen when someone's switching to this new way of running and what I could have been doing incorrectly. Cause again, it's all perception. I'm here thinking, Oh, I'm doing this right. I could be doing something totally wrong and I want to know what it is. Um, so those were two of the biggest pains that I felt changing when I was switching this. Okie dokie. So Are let's do this. Let's start with, um, Let's start with an image to kind of show you what it is that is the culprit um, behind a lot of injuries and this transition we're talking about, this is pre-transition. This is the enemy regardless of what part of your foot you land on. So check this out. This is actually a client that approached me, um, pretty good runner, pretty fast runner as a matter of fact, and he was landing as you could see here heel first okay so we would we would construe this as a heel striker and you can see that red line is basically indicating his point of contact and where that load is going to travel so it's going basically from his heel straight up to his hip now someone like this as he runs is minimizing the the use 
of the functional anatomy of the foot. So the foot has a design that's um, very neatly created to uh, mitigate the impact forces of a landing. And he's bypassed all of those benefits by landing on the heel first, or uh, technically the calcaneus, which is the bony protrusion of the heel. And that's, it, that's putting a shot straight up into his hip. And, but what else he's doing is he's creating what's referred to as a breaking moment, okay? Because he has to first collide with the earth, recover from the collision, because he's not going to be able to create any stability when he makes contact like this, recover from the collision, and then in turn push off once his body gets over his foot. So this is, uh, from a performance perspective, it's, it can be slow. Uh, as it can be slow, because I know people that run this way, and they, they're pretty fast. They can do it. Um, but they tend to be very light in build and very resolute. You know, the bone structure is really solid. They can take a lot of beating before things go badly. His problem is going to show up when he's maybe 10 years older, right? Because right now he's young, he's strong, and he's getting away with a lot. But the impact forces that he created when he landed on his heel first like that is basically getting the, in the way of his performance. So <clears throat> there's really good reason for why you want to land on your forefoot. I want to make sure the distinction is understood. The forefoot, the contact point is going to basically be uh, right about behind the big toe, ball of the foot, and then as you start to you make contact, what happens is you're actually engaging these toes or they're going to go into flexion, and then the arch, the, the point of area that you were speaking of, which is uh, mm -hmm. actually hallux longus is, is the name of the, the muscle and tendon to travel from the base of the toe to the heel. And so that structure um, needs to be strong, okay? And when it's engaged like this, it causes midfoot stability. So the, the front of your foot, once this is properly engaged, stabilizes your midfoot and provides for a really nice landing as opposed to a collision. Now, the problem with most people that are making this transition is they've not been using these ligaments, tendons, and musculature in the foot, nor have they been using effectively their Achilles and their calf structures. And so because those areas are so uh, behind the time, so to speak, they're just not prepared for this transition, then all this stuff, wrong or right, however you want to look at it, is is being challenged. It's like you're you're not in very good shape, and you want to get in the ring with the champ, right? You're going to have a problem. And so the other thing is, is that you'll take someone like a very seasoned runner, someone that has been putting in just hypothetically 50 miles a week, fairly effectively, but wants to be a better runner, wants to run faster drank some of the Kool-Aid, realizes, well, this might be the thing to do, and this is not what I've been doing. Thus, that kid I just showed you, he's one of those. Uh, so he wants to continue running 50 miles a week and just completely disregard that transition. Even though he may have been landing correctly, his feet just weren't ready for the impact forces or the stretching and contracting that was going to go on in that region. So he's overloaded. Mm -hmm. It's just like going into the gym for the first time in six months and trying to bench what you used to bench on a bench press. 
you know, you're, you're, you're going to be hobbling out of there. Your, your pectoral muscles are going to be slammed. You know, you may not even be able to move for a while. So uh, you got to back up. You got to really, really slow your roll, get it organized, and then make sure you're doing the correct thing. So I'm moving kind of fast here. I understand. But I think it's important that we, I'm going to give you a little bit of a video. Now, incidentally, those that are going to be watching this, this video that I'm showing you is resident on my YouTube channel. You just got to look for it. It's uh, something about correcting running form or something like this. It's a very popular video for us, by the way. I think at this point in time, we have over 400,000 views on this particular video. And it's only a couple of minute video, uh, which surprised me, by the way. But uh, I'm not going to play the audio so much. I, uh, should I? What do you think? Yeah, play it. I think right. play it. So let's let's take uh, let's just take two minutes break from looking at my mug, and let's look at this this video, and see what you guys gather from it. Again, if you decide you want to review this video later, it is on my YouTube channel. And if you're not already subscribing, let's get with it. Okay. Get with it. Okay. Let's see here. Choose file. Oops, going the wrong way. What am I doing? It's this. Okay. Boom. So for starters, I'm going to have him just march in place. And I want you to notice his contact point is the forefoot first. And then heel makes contact with the ground. Then simply peel the heel off the ground and set the forefoot back on the ground. Okay. If I turn this into a... So I want to stop there for a second. I want you to look at what he's doing. He's essentially slowly and very carefully making sure that the initiation with the ground is just behind the forefoot like I, or just behind the great toe like I showed you. And then conclusion is heel comes to ground. Then knee comes forward. He doesn't kick his heel up behind himself which I'm going to discuss here in the video in a second. But uh, let me just let this go a little longer. Run in place, which he's going to do now. Nothing's changed. A lot of people will make the mistake of kicking their heels up towards their butt. Do it. Okay. Yep. That's not what you want to do. This is wrong. You can actually hear the difference of the scuffing that occurred when he kicked his heels back. We don't want that. We want this. Knees go forward, foot sets down on the ground. Now, we're going to add cadence to it. He's already in training. He's a warrior. You got to Okay, so again, I'm going to slow this down for a second. Why cadence? I've set the metronome, which by the way is on my phone. If you're wondering what the app is for it, it's called Metro Timer. And I've set the cadence to 180 strides per minute. Now, someone might ask, well, I've heard about that a lot. I don't understand why. It's a function of how much time you're in air in the gait cycle. So the further ahead of your body you reach, the longer it takes for your foot to get completely through the gait cycle. 180 strides per minute tends to bring your foot closer to your body on contact. And by doing that, you develop stability. That stability is going to really aid you in force production and also minimize the impact forces that would travel up the kinetic chain, the ankle, the knee, the hip, and so on and so forth.
A little bit more of this. He's right on the beat. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to progressively start the bell. And so the only difference between him now running at, say, 2.4 miles per hour and what's going to happen later is the length of his stride. But the goal is to have your contact point stay right here, very close to your center mass in front of you. Now, you'll notice that as I speed up the belt, he's not changing the timing. The difference now is his stride is starting to expand behind him. He's getting rid of the ground behind him. Okay, now we're moving along. I'm going to take him out to, okay, this is about 8.5 miles per hour. He's not reaching ahead of his body. His contact is here still. His stride is opening up behind him. Well, all right. So that was, I thought that was a good thing to share. Now, just to kind of reiterate what we're looking at here is his contact point was governed by the metronome. If he lands consistently on that beat, the timing is going to place his foot very close to his body. The benefit of doing that is that when your foot is landed and you put load down effectively the way we just showed you, structurally you get inter integrated, so you get this core stabilization and right on through your pelvic floor, right from the ground up, boom, you lock down, you got good stability, you got good force production, and it yields a nice open stride behind you. And then when that leg comes back around again, it's generating, almost perpetually generating more and more um, force production at less cost. It's, just, it's not costing you more. It's not, you're not working harder. You're just moving more effectively. And you're minimizing all the potential um, um, mistakes that you would make that would cause injury all the way up the chain, from the foot on all the way up. Now, in a perfect world, I, I mean, I could sell this all day to people because they could see it, they understand it, it makes sense, and then they go out and try it and then they screw it up, okay? There's, there's two things that I've experienced that really resonated with me, having worked with so many people, is the, the biggest culprit behind these injuries is perception. What you think you're doing versus what you're actually doing. You might think you're perfectly landing on the ground where, in fact, you're still on your heel. Or, as Leah suggested, coming in very, very sharp. So you're toe diving, and you're never allowing your heel to, all, to settle all the way to the ground. So this is like the relaxation component. You don't want to go in sharply. You want to go in at a little bit more, um, just think of it like landing an airplane. You don't want to land the airplane like this. You're going to kill all the passengers, right? So what you want to do is you want to come down nice under the gear and boom, drop the wheels. As a matter of fact, I know they don't land a plane that way. They come down butt first and toe yeah. down, right? Well, and but, it's funny because it makes me think of what you said earlier about the heel striking causes that braking component, but toe diving does the same thing. I remember you talking about that at the yeah. clinic for a few of us that were doing that. Because right. I mean, you think about it, you're going in, it's boom, boom, boom versus landing flat and springing up. Yeah, what it does is it just sets you up for different injuries, right? So <laughs> you you traded one set of injuries for a new set of injuries. <laughs> I used to refer to this as the devil you know versus the devil you don't. 
right? People that have habitually found injuries when they got up to 20, 30, 40, whatever the limit was per week mileage, they take a week off, they feel better, and they go back to work again, and they gradually start bringing themselves back up to their limit. They find that limit, and then they crash again. And then, So they know how to deal with that. Uh, and they know what parts of the muscles are going to hurt, what ligaments are going to hurt, and how long it takes for it to stop hurting. But this is new, right? I, oh, this is different sensations, different pain. This scares me because I don't know how long this is going to take or whether I really need medical intervention because this could be really bad, right? So you're freaking out. So you want to go back to the devil you know. So you might fail the, the mission completely and decide this isn't working for me. I don't know. This is bullshit. I'm going to go back to my heel striking because I run better, faster, and it's cool, right? So um, I would recommend deeply – uh, with conviction that getting on your forefoot and doing what I just showed you in this video is the way to run. And when we talked about, you know, transitioning from, I wanted to call it traditional running, and Leah said, well, you mean the right way versus the wrong way, <laughs> All right? So um, I would argue, I w with conviction, I would argue that there is a right way to run, and there's many, many, many wrong ways to run. And a lot of the people I meet, they have one of those other ways. And what they're trying to do is figure out how to do it right. So you're going to find that when you do get to that place, if you put in the time, if you put in the energy uh, and the diligence behind the maintenance, we're going to talk about in a minute, you're going to find that ultimately you're going to find it, it's going to work for you, and it should yield more performance. You should be able to run faster. You should lower the cost of your work, and you're going to minimize the injuries you used to experience, which means that you're going to be able to take on more volume. And more volume per week is going to yield better performances. A 20-mile-a-week runner is not going to run well for a marathon. I mean, you're going to hear stories about people, oh, yeah, you don't need to run 50 miles a week to run a marathon. I do it in 22. Yeah, well, maybe you can. Good for you, but I'm telling you, if I lined up 100 people and I trained them all, the, my 100 people will generally outrun the other 100 people that did it wrong and, and kept getting injured. That's just the way it works. So let's talk about the injuries. Let's, let's start from the bottom. So <clears throat> what you were pointing out is behind the big toe, that stretch of material, right? Oh, here it comes. Yeah, from, from here your... Go, here we go, here we go. From here, yeah, right. big toe, right, 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 right down through there, okay? So what ends up happening is this is your trampoline, okay? And you're basically, you're stretching that puppy over and over and over again. Where before you land on your heel and you completely bypassed all of this. But see, this is the way your body wants to land. Not to mention, all of this region in the front of your foot has all these mechanoreceptors that communicate with your central nervous system to tell you how to land, what muscles to contract, which muscles to relax, what ligaments and tendons to, to fire up in order to give you a successful landing. When you land on your heel, you bypass all this systematic information and you're just taking the hit over and over and over again. Hope, hopefully one day it's going to pan out. Generally it does, sometimes not so much. But I promise you, you need to get past that point where all these structures are too weak. So when you find pain like this, typically what people do, they go to see the podiatrist or their doctor that ultimately sends them to a podiatrist. 
And what they're going to do is they're going to put an arch support in there. They're going to give you an orthotic that's going to have a ramp that's going to hold up your arch because your arch is too pussified to do the job itself, right? And so it keeps collapsing. This is what we refer to as late-stage pronation. And generally because when people land heel first and roll off of it like this, or even toe first and roll into it, they're just basically relying on this musculature and ligaments and tendons to do its job. But if it's not prepared for the work, just like being undertrained, you can't put in 50 miles from scratch. You've got to work your way up to it. So systematically got to develop this system. Okay, so given that that, like plantar fasciitis is typically the, the, the malady that we speak of, sometimes it goes right up into your Achilles uh, and into your calf. So sometimes it's your <clears throat> posterior tibial tendon and the ligaments and nerves that are associated with that, which ch the chase that region that we just spoke of right on up to behind your, your soleus and your gastroc, the two prominent calves, calf muscles. It's deep behind that next to the bones, but it presents pain um, up the chain in here, and it feels like, oh, my calves, my soleus, my calf. No, no, it's, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's the posterior tibial tendon, and it's being engaged down here in your foot. So the pain here, but the problem here, right? It's not always where you're feeling the pain that is the culprit. So let's assume that we got these kind of problems, and what do we do? I've been a fan of uh, Rock Tape, the company, for many, many years, and I've been using their products, and I've been, and I've been, um, I've, I've been well studied by their by their their guidance. I mean, they have certifications for various types of treatments, typically for physical therapists and chiropractic care and things like this. But I, because I've been involved with them for ten years, I participated and got certified in everything they do. And I share this information with my clientele because I found it to be very, very useful for self-help. For So here we go. Let's start with uh, my go-to pieces, all right? So number one, this is rock floss. This is basically this rubber band. Got it here. This rubber band, very stretchy, and it's a long roll. And all you do is from the area that's problematic, so let's just say this is my foot, and I start, I'm not going to do a very good job here, but I might start here and then tightly start making my way up my leg. And I'm talking about tight, so scary tight. When you get it on, you're like, oh my God, all the blood is rushing out of my leg. Yes, it is. It is moving out of that area. And then it's soon to return. So it's going to draw back nutrient. It's going to draw back uh, the lubricant, the WD-40 for the ligaments and tendons, which, tendons, which is uh, hyaluronic acid, which helps to cause your fascia to slide and move more agreeably. Agreeably, is that a word? And then, sure. uh, and then uh, this blood flow is going to come back. So it's going to, it's going to really kind of give all this area respite. It's also going to move a lot of inflammation out of the area uh, for the meantime. Um, and then I'm going to show you another treatment. This is cupping. These folks also sell these cups. And I, I also got certified with this treatment. And the color changes are smaller, are red, black, are bigger. And you can see lower down the chain, I use the red ones for smaller regions. 
But basically, when you get these cups on, if you mobilize, you kind of move things around. Let me get my face in here again. So if you're if you're you got the cups on, and then you start to move, put load on it, maybe do like lunges, maybe even run on a treadmill at a slow rate of speed. What happens is all this fascia and this connective tissue is moving and sliding, and the cups are sucking the inflammation out at the same time. You take the cups off, and you notice that there's a tremendous amount of relief. I've had people tell me, and I quiz them, going in on a 1 to 10 scale, 10 being massive pain, 1 being zero pain. Before they were cupped, what does it feel like? They tell me I'm close to a 10. Cup them, and in five minutes of treatment, pull the cups off, ask them again, and I've had people tell me zero or one. Pain is gone. Now, that doesn't mean you're healed. That doesn't mean that all the problems you had are done, but you've, you've mitigated the problem for the short term. So I, <clears throat> being careful to say short term, because the next thing I would do, whoops, not that, but this. Hold on. Sorry. Tape. Mm. So rock tape started out in the world creating this decompressive taping strategy. And I'm being careful to say decompressive because it is not compression. You're not like trying to tighten the area with this tape. The tape is actually mobilizing the fascia again. And try to imagine it's like, when I put the tape across this region, okay, it's like, it's like every time you move, it's making room. <laughs> you know, I have a better way of showing this to people, but not in this video. But I, mean, what, I wish I had my tape right here. I'd, yeah, <laughs> I'd but basically what it does is every time you move, it <laughs> continues to mechanize the edema or the inflammation that was collecting and it's actually enhancing um, blood flow and such that's going to help. I call it the gift that keeps on giving. So I would actually uh, encourage people to go through a, a three-part process, okay? Part of the process is to, you know, pick your poison, whether you wanted to floss or whether you wanted to cup. Um, you may not need to do both. You could do one or the other. I personally find... For some people, the, the flossing is better for, uh, and the cupping, the cupping is very regionally specific. So when you, when you put the floss on, it's three-dimensional. It's going all the way around the limb, right? So it affects lots of areas. Uh, and then when we're talking about the fascia on the bottom of the foot, this knobby little ugly ball just mechanizing and moving the fascia is very effective too. So these are preemptive. I would do that. I have this on the floor here in my living room and I will get on this bad boy every day and just kind of make sure everything is cool. Everything's going. So treating yourself, right? This is self-treatment. And this is not something that you need to be, you know, a rogue scholar to do. It's like, you're going to find the things that are working for you. And if you chase those down, they're going to be very beneficial. Uh, one more thing, and, you know, by the way, I'm not getting any plug from these people for this, um, but this is rock sauce. So this is a, a topical astringent, and the active ingredient in this is capsaicin. So I wrote, this is a roll-on, so I would roll this over the tape after I've applied the tape to the area, 
and it'll soak through the tape and heat the area. So heat draws blood flow. Blood flow heals, right? So where a lot of people want to put ice on problems, bad idea. You don't want to ice problems after the fact. So if you, if you twist your ankle and it's all swollen and you come home, yeah, ice it right away, right? But after that day, heat's going to be better for you because it's going to cause healing. That's going to be better for you. And flossing, by the way, because it's going to help move the inflammation out as well. So little self-treatments like that are going to go a long way to help you. Yes, it makes a tremendous amount of sense to um, actually um, find your forefoot. And I mean find your forefoot. And I said earlier, I kind of touched on it, the perception. You're, you make sure that you're doing it right. And I do this with video with people to show them. You thought you're on your forefoot, you're not. You're on your heel. You thought you're landing properly, you're too sharp. That's why you're still having a lot of pain in your calf. So make sure you're doing it right. And you might need a friend to help. I don't know. Yeah, that's one of those things. Like it's, it was one of the weirdest things about your clinic, I would say, is so many of us were like, oh yeah, no, I'm a toe runner. I've, I've listened to you for a long time. I, I would never heel strike. And we all got on the treadmill and eight out of 10 of us, our heel would strike down or we'd be pulling with our toes or doing this thing that we could have sworn we didn't do. And it was so weird, like the perception. We all could have sworn. And then once you saw the video of it, it's like, no, you just, you know, denying it now. So if you're, and even if you're not in doubt, just have someone take a video of you running. Like if, if you're having some pains and you just want to check it out and find a solution, have someone video you're running because it's, I'm telling you, you might be shocked <laughs> at what you're doing that you didn't know you were doing. <laughs> so check this out. Since we're talking about that, let me see if I can share this. Ah, cool. All right. So this is interesting. All right. So what I'm doing here is I'm showing you three images of a foot. And the top image, which is calling out bony protrusions, okay? The calcaneus, which we spoke of earlier, which is the heliopetrusion of the, of the foot. The talus, which is basically the balance board between the tibia and the fibula, your, your lower limb. And it's, it's, the, it's the structure that helps to allow the foot to, to, to move, right? So you're, you're not rigid. You want to have some mobility underneath the, the limb for the foot to travel. And then the second image that I'm showing you here is it shows that if you go in too sharply, this region, let me, can I put this over you for a second? I'm sorry. Because yeah, I, I need to, I need to, I need to show my hand. Okay. So again, this wobble board, which is the talus, allows the foot to move. And, <laughs> and the, uh, when you're, when you're coming in too sharply like this, that whole connection between the tibia, fibula, and your structures of the foot is open and loose. And it, it causes all sorts of havoc. Now, the bottom picture shows that when the foot is not quite as sharply pointing towards the ground, that the joint is closed and stable. So landing this way causes integration of the musculature, ligaments, tendons, and bone structures of the foot to allow good things to happen when the rest of your body finds the ground. You with me? So one of the problems with being in, in too sharply like this is that structure is very unstable. And this is more uh, akin to what happens to people that run downhill. 
they start reaching way ahead of their body, they're coming in too sharp with the toes, and then they, they sprain their ankles. If they hit any kind of a divot or something, the thing goes wrong and boom, next thing you know, you got a, you, you got a jacked up ankle and you, you're, you're done running for a while. So um, that's another reason why it's so important that that, that angle of approach is, is correct. How about, how about that? Well, and I think that's interesting because when I've, for me, since I've listened to you for the past few years and lots of other people who are proponents of the toe heel toe method thing, I've it's just, I'm so used to it, you know, but then thinking that there's still people out there who think it's correct to go heel toe, heel toe. Like I was explaining this to my younger brother a couple weeks ago and he's not a runner. He's not an endurance athlete or anything. And I was just talking to him about it. And he's like, wait, really? It's supposed to be toe, heel, toe. He's like, that sounds so weird. Like that's correct. And then I was like thinking about it. I'm like, it really does sound weird. If you think about it, like you come in like this, you go down. Well, that's a little sharp. Okay. We, that's what, I'm saying, though. That's what I'm saying, though. It, it sounds like it would take forever if, you're, if you've never heard of this before and you're just thinking about it. But right. then you think about, like, you watch that video of VJ running. He's landing like this. He's right. barely off of flat. It's yep. boom. Yep. That's the movement, not this. Exactly. And I think that's what a lot of people not coming from this, like, don't realize is it? yeah, it sounds crazy at first, but then you actually see it in practice and it's, it makes perfect sense, like a little spring. I can tell you that on many occasions during clinics, we might be at a track or some natural surfaces. And when I have someone that I'm, I'm having a hard time getting into their head, I can't quite, you know, maybe it's the way I'm expressing myself or their interpretation of what I'm suggesting to them. But when I get stuck like that, I, I take your shoes and socks off, run on the grass. You don't have to say anything. The nat that's why it's called natural running is because that's the way your body wants to land when you run. Watch somebody run on a beach. 99% of the people that do won't be landing on their heel. Even though they put their shoes on, they go straight to the heels when they run. But the natural functionality, the way the body's designed to run, is, is the way we've suggested. And uh, it's just a fi finding ourselves in the in inappropriate space and, and correcting it. And that's really my life's work these days. So, and I can tell you, and, you know, I mean, obviously the 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 silver lining in all of this is I, I can tell you that the people that I work with that take this on, put in the due diligence, they come to me later, they're faster. The amount of mileage that they're able to put in on a weekly basis is far I'm talking two, three times as many miles per week, minus injury, minus pain. That's a winning proposition in my mind. So you know there's always going to be camps with people that are going to, you know, give you their rationale and reason why what they're doing is smarter or better. Um, I'm sorry, they're wrong. <laughs> Let's just put it out there. Let's just go ahead and beat that horse down. So no, I'm sorry. It's physics. Okay. It is physics. And you know, the best, the best explanation I could possibly give someone that would make that argument, put them on about a 20 inch block. Just have them stand on a 20 inch block with their shoes on, and ask them to jump down and watch. And then ask them, what part of your foot did you make contact with first? Did you, mm. did you opt to land on your heels first? No, you did not. Because your brain knows that's not the way to do it. In order to mitigate the impact forces effectively, you need to use the structures of the foot effectively. And you'll land and you'll be cool. 
And I've asked people, they jump down and they don't say anything to them. Say, okay, now go back up there and now jump down. This time, land on your heels. And what they do is they stop. They look at me like, you know, <laughs> that's not going to work. They already know yeah. it's not going to work. So if it's not going to work there, why would it work, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of times with a micro trauma that you're creating when you're running down the street? And, and incidentally, it's, it's fodder for another show. But I don't care how much rubber you put beneath your heels, that ain't going to save you. Simple. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the whole, like, just what you were saying, the whole perception thing. Like, yeah, if you're in doubt, take your shoes off and go running on some pavement. And let's see if you're still heel striking. And if you are, think I'll, like, that's going to be really painful. <laughs> so if you think the natural run is actually a heel toe, try that barefoot and get back to us. <laughs> right. So I think at this point, We've done a hell of a job explaining all this, I think. Maybe. Um, but I think so. people that have questions or maybe comments, this video shows up on YouTube. And when it does, you should subscribe to it. And if you have any questions or concerns, let's get engaged. Let us know what it is that you're concerned about. What information do you need from us to try to get into a better place? And that makes my life easy because then I know what to talk about next time we do this. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's hundreds of us and you out there trying this, these new methods of the toe, heel, toe. Every hundreds. body is different. Every, yeah, every body is going to, trillions. So every one of you and us <clears throat> is going to ha might have a different issue trying to switch to this new method. Not new method, but this correct running form. So like me, these were the issues I ran into was Achilles and calves and bottom of my foot. You might have different issues. Comment them on the video and we can try to go over them. I mean, like we said, we believe this is the right way to do it. So if there's issues, either we need to rethink what we're saying or you might be doing it wrong or this might, I, I know, I'm just joking. <laughs> or you might just be your body's not prepped for it, like Richard was saying. And there might be ways to help with that pain or fix what you're doing to make sure you can do it correctly in the future. You know, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, comment your issues on the video so we can talk about it in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So like the idea of, of, you know, maybe we're not sure. I'm <laughs> I've been, yeah. I've been, I've been beating this mule for decades and putting on clinics with countless people, just countless numbers of people. And a lot of times I run into people that are in the medical industry I have, I've done this work with orthopedic surgeons. I've done this work with countless physical therapists. And, you know, I so far have been winning those challenges when it comes to philosophy, theory, and just basically supporting Newton's theories of, of physics. It's just the way it works, man. And just if you keep trying to dance around it, you're just going to keep on running into problems. That's all there is to it. And I want people to perform better and most importantly, I want people to be able to do this without injuring themselves so they can continue to be healthy. Yeah. Into 2022. All right. So, Leah, anything else? No. I mean, that's really it. Uh, as far as injuries and stuff go, I mean, I, I, I kind of want to do a follow-up podcast to this and talk about how to, like, like some of those misconceptions that we have. Because, like, for me, when I'm starting this, I – I really feel like I bounce up and down, even doing the 180, even doing the, the toe thing. So just kind of going over some of what I could be doing wrong, you know, stuff like that. So I kind of want to do a follow-up podcast. I know we don't have a ton of time today, 
but just go more into that side of it. Um, and just, I don't know, not so much common injuries, but also common, I don't know, hurdles that people run into starting the correct running form. So, yeah, it, listen, it's a work in progress and everybody's got their own little thing that they're trying to get sorted out. And, uh, yeah, I'm down for that. So let's, uh, let's leave it for another day and put a fork in this thing and, Lots of good stuff coming in 2022. Everybody subscribe. Share this information with your friends. If you just come into the audio, Natural Running Network podcast, that's fine with me. You know, then you don't get to have to look at me. But We're really pretty, though. You should, you should look at us. <laughs> but um, share it with your friends. All share right. it with your friends. All right. Peace out. Nice talking to you, Richard. Peace out.